So the scripture I want to read to you is from James chapter 4, verse 8. Pardon me, I think I might sneeze. Uh, sorry, I'm okay. James chapter 4, verse 8. If I do sneeze, don't be alarmed. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The Phillips translation of the same verse says, Come close to God, and he will come close to you. So here's one thought. Our relationship with the Lord, and we have a relationship with the Lord. We don't have a religion about God. We have a relationship with God. Our relationship with the Lord is not static. It's not stationary. It's not just fixed in a certain place, unmovable, stuck. See, if you can be closer to God then it also stands to reason you could be further from God. And yet James is writing to Christians. So if we were to chart our Christian experience over the past several years, we might honestly admit that there were days, seasons of closeness, and there were also times of distance. There were times when we were more hot, to use that metaphor, in times where there was a cooling off period in our life. So it, the things fluctuate, maybe even from day to day. And so just because you were once close to the Lord, that doesn't necessarily mean that's where you are now. So don't be the person who has fond memories of yesterday, but nothing for now. Have a present tense experience. Your marriage is a relationship. If all you have is a lovely photo album of the wedding, you don't have much. Right? If you say, oh, yes, we were first. Boy, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Is, is there something falling down from the sky in my nose? Amen. If all you, you can think about was, yes, when we were first married, we were so in love and, you know, it was so wonderful, but today we fight like cats and dogs. That's not a good testimony. Amen? And if, and if you can think about, oh, yes, back in 1985, I'm telling you my life was so blessed and, and I was just on fire from God, and, uh, but now today, you know, I'm just uh, uh, among the frozen chosen, you know. I'm just as dry as a bone. That's not a good testimony. So, amen. We should not be content with the status quo. I said, we should, even, if, even if things are good right now, don't stay there. Press in for the better and the best. Amen. Hallelujah. Every believer has the same righteousness because of the blood. We all have, I'm talking about children of God, we all have the same salvation, the same life, eternal life, the same spirit, the same authority, the same inheritance in Christ, but we don't all have the same quality of fellowship with the Lord. Hmm? We don't all enjoy the same level of closeness communion, and intimacy with his spirit. We all have equal benefits 
and privileges in Christ, but we're not all equally taking advantage of those rights. In other words, the door is open to all, but not, but not everyone walks through it. Are you listening to me? We all have the same opportunity, but we don't all have the same outcome, the same experience, because it depends on us. I'm talking about your fellowship with the Lord. I'm talking about the closeness, the intimacy that you have with the Lord. Notice James 4, 8 does not say, if God wants you to be close to him, then you'll be close. And if he doesn't want you to be close, then you won't. It's not up to God. It's up to you. See, many Christians imagine that God has favorites. For some unknown reason, he likes some believers better than others. See, they may not say this, but that's what they think. And so those special chosen ones, they know God up close and personal, while the rest of us just see God from a distance. Hmm? That God pulls some people close to his side and others he keeps at arm's length. But that's not true. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, God shows no partiality. And by the way, if you are a godly person, you also will not show any partiality. Right? If you only love your tribe, you're not like God. Because he loves the tribes that you hate. If you only love the people from your village, then you're not like God. He loves the people in the next range too. God loves, God loves your enemies more than you love your best friends. Amen? So that means God shows no favoritism. No one has an unfair advantage. I'm talking about with the Lord now. No one has an unfair advantage over you. God's an equal opportunity God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, except people from Tripura. No, it doesn't say that. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, understand this. God does not treat everyone the same. He does not treat the humble the same way he treats the proud and arrogant. He does not treat those who trust him the same way he treats those who doubt him. There are some people that he knows close and some he knows at a distance, but it's because of the choices they have made, not the choices God has made. Are you out there today? Amen. Praise the Lord. God is not pushing us away. We may have pushed him away, but he's not pushing you away. Are you listening to me? God responds to you. It's so important to know that. God responds to you. Draw near to God. 
That's what you do. God, make me draw near. No, he's not going to make you do anything. This is what you do. This is a choice that you make. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If you reach up, he'll reach down. If you take a step forward, he'll take a step forward to meet you. He's waiting on you and me. When the prodigal son left home, the father in the story did not chase after him. But when the wayward son returned home, while he was still off at a great distance, the father ran to meet him. If you come back home, he won't just wait for you to get all the way there. He'll run out into the street and grab you. And he welcomed that son. Hallelujah. Many Christians imagine because they've maybe been backslidden, out of fellowship, not where they should be. They have had a season of, uh, of uh, coolness. So now they think too much time has passed. It's too late for me. That's a lie. It's not too late. While you live and breathe, God will warmly receive you and restore you to that place of sweet communion with him. God wants your fellowship more than you want his fellowship. He actually sent his son to die a horrible death and to suffer unimaginable agonies in hell so that you and him could walk together. It must be important to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. James did not say, draw near to God. And he might draw near to you. Maybe, maybe not. I can't really say. No. No. If you move toward him, he will move toward you. But we can never be all that we were destined to be living far from God's presence. In fact, Christianity doesn't work that way. Lukewarm Christianity is frustration. You know, a little bit of heat, a little bit of warmth, a little bit of coolness, just kind of a little bit here, a little bit there. That's not, that's not an abundant life. That's a discouraging life. That's, that's a defeated life. Christianity really doesn't work unless you're all in. Come on, some of you, you look at, like a photograph here tonight. You haven't really, you know, batted an eye since I began speaking. Christianity does not really work unless you're all in. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. Amen. We can never be all that God called us to be living aloof, distant from his presence. And really, these are matters of the heart. You know, it's possible for a man to be in church and, and attend services, but in his heart, he's still not where he should be. Hmm? Isn't that right? Hmm? God is our source and supply. Every good gift comes down from him. Everything we need is found in him. If we are closer to him, his grace will abound in our lives. If we are further from him, there will be a leanness. 
leanness. There'll be a lack, a scarcity of his supply, his strength, his ability in our lives. So, in Kohima, there is the government-run radio station. I suppose they're broadcasting every day. I don't really know. So they have a large tower. If I drive toward Kohima, the signal that is being beamed from that tower will get stronger. Hmm? It'll be the, the voice, the sound, the music will be more clear, more distinct. Maybe, you know, in Assam, it's garbled, but, you know, on the outskirts of Kohima, it should be, I suppose it should be crystal clear. Further away, if I drive in the other direction, the signal grows weaker, becomes uh, indistinct. There's interruptions of static and, and other noise, interference coming in. And I can't, can't maybe get to the point I can't even make out what's being said, you see. In fact, if I didn't have a road map and if there weren't any road signs... I could actually use, theoretically, I could use that radio signal as a beacon for my direction. When the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor in uh, 1941, December 1941, uh, that's in Hawaii, as they approached the, uh, the Hawaiian islands of Honolulu, they turned their radios in their airplanes to the radio program coming from Honolulu, and they, they, set their, they navigated their course right on that radio frequency, and it led them right to the tower, which was in Honolulu, see? So here's my point. If I'm not hearing God, I'm going the wrong way. You know, if, if I was driving away from Kohima... I wouldn't call the All India Radio program and say, you need to fix your tower. There's some defect in your tower because I'm not hearing you. They would say, there's nothing wrong with our tower. There may be something wrong with your receiver, where you are located. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So if we need God's guidance, and we do, the first step is to drive toward him, not away from him. See, that's the thing. Don't make major decisions in your life when you are at the low ebb spiritually. You know, you haven't been in church in years. You know, the last time you read your Bible was, you know, when your grandmother died or something like that. You know, you, you, know, you don't even remember praying. You know, that's not the time to make major life-changing decisions. Draw near to God. Come closer to him. Make sure your fellowship is restored because you need to catch his signal. You need to hear from heaven. Are you out there today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Where is it that God is more real to you? Where do you sense his presence the strongest? That's where you need to head toward. That tells you which way to go. Hallelujah. In Psalm 36, verse 9, the Bible says, In your light we do see light. You may be a college graduate. You may be a college professor. But good luck trying to read your Bible in total darkness. So in other words, I don't care how educated you are. None of us can see in the dark. God is light. And in him there is no darkness, John says. You see, revelation knowledge is found in his presence. 
See, the Bible is unlike any other book. You can't make heads or tails out of it until you get acquainted with the author. It's a closed book to the lost. So back, backslidden Christians, and we use that term maybe too freely, but I mean people who are, they're saved, but they're not really walking in fellowship with God. They're not getting fresh insight from the Word of God. In fact, when they read it, it just seems irrelevant to them. Are you out there today? But in his light, we see light. The closer we get to God, the better we know him. Praise the Lord. So in other words, some of you don't need another degree. You need to repent. <laughs> Honestly. I said, some of you, you don't need another degree. You don't need to take some theological course somewhere. What you need to do is you need to restore your fellowship with the Lord. Because he himself will teach you. I didn't say you, you, it's wrong for you to go to college or something like that. I'm just saying that if you're not walking with the Lord, you could just be wasting your time. Amen. There's some people in Bible colleges and you know, seminaries who don't know God at all. Some seminaries don't even have Christians teaching in their, in their school. Yay. <laughs> I, guess, I guess they're going to tell me about God <laughs> when they're spiritually dead. Notice the scripture again, James 4, 8. I know you thought we were just going to jump and shout. Maybe we will jump and shout, but maybe before we do that, there's some other business we've got to take care of. <laughs> James 4, 8. Again, says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Then notice this. It's going to get even quieter in the next segment. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, that has something to do with drawing near, doesn't it? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This scripture used to kind of bother me, but James is not calling Christians sinners any more than he's calling every Christian double-minded. In this context, he doesn't mean those who are lost, those who are unsaved, those who uh, uh, you know, need, need to be born again. He's really meaning those who are sinning, those who are practicing sin. See, So sin blocks the sun. Sin throws shade. Sin makes things obscure. Sin lowers the spiritual temperature of your heart. Sin puts some coolness in the relationship. Sin puts some distance, some space. Sin throws space between you and God. Let me read to you an Old Testament scripture, Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, and that means sin, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So that means if it seems like the power of God is not working in my life, and he's not hearing my prayer, if that's the case, it's not because God needs to change. 
It's because we need to change. The problem, if, 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 there's, if, there's, if God doesn't seem to be working and my prayers are not effective, it's because something has come between me and him. Hmm? Something that is separating me from the power of God. Hallelujah. God hasn't failed you. You may have failed him, but he's not failed you. And he doesn't need to change. We do. It would be the epitome of arrogance to think, I don't know, something's wrong with God. He's not the same like he used to be. When I first got saved, I'm telling you, he answered every prayer. I mean, the power of God was flowing. But I think God is backslidden. (laughs) No, my friend, he hasn't changed. (laughs) Amen. So James says, purify, cleanse. But you can't cleanse and purify yourself. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. But on the other hand, you can separate yourself from things that are displeasing to the Lord. You know, my pastor said, you've heard me say this, some of you. My pastor in America said that when he got saved, his refrigerator also got saved. Because his refrigerator used to be a sinner refrigerator. Had a lot of beer and wine and liquor. But after his refrigerator got born again, there was no more alcohol in in the refrigerator. I think when you get saved, uh, you know, your closet will get saved too. No more marijuana. No more Mary Jane in your house. Hallelujah. No more little pills, Fencidil, and all this kind of stuff. No, I I think that God not only sanctifies your heart, he sanctifies your house. Maybe no more wicked music coming out of your stereo speakers. It's real quiet in this uh, Holy Ghost church. It's real quiet. Amen. So you, 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 maybe there's some things that God finds displeasing, doesn't approve of. And that may have some effect on your walk. That's pretty simple, but it's really true. Amen. <laughs> I'm nobody's judge. I'm, 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 no, I'm, not, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I'll clean my closet. You clean yours and praise the Lord. We'll all be happy. Okay, I'm just selling you. <laughs> Amen. Hmm. God is light and he has nothing in common with darkness, which means he's pure. He's righteous. And there's no sin in him at all. You can't draw near to God and draw near to sin at the same time. That's just it. You can't say, well, I'm going to live over here kind of in the twilight, in the dark. God, would you meet me here? No, son, I'll meet you in the light. Let me say it again. You cannot draw near to God and draw near to sin at the same time. You have to choose. God requires a decision. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You have to make a choice. Jesus said, he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. You're either with me or you're against me. Can I be in the middle? No. Thank you for um, your silence today. Praise the Lord. Uh, It's going to get a little worse, so here we go. And some of you are already regretting you came. But I don't think the Holy Ghost regrets it. James chapter 4 verse 4 says this. Therefore, whoever wishes... To be a friend of the world 
makes himself an enemy of God. <laughs> Do you consider yourself a friend of the world? Now would be not a good time to comb your hair or scratch your nose. <laughs> I said, Do you consider yourself a friend of the world? See, he, James is talking about worldliness. Worldliness. He's writing to believers. Spirit-filled believers who believe in healing, who believe in miracles, who believe in the power of God, who believe in the power of prayer, who, who believe in authority and resisting the devil, who believe in living an abundant, victorious life. Yet he's, he's warning them against worldliness. You know, when we talk about worldliness, we have a tendency to think, man, I wish Brother Zama Zama was here tonight. Well, he's not here, but um, you're here. John Wesley defined worldliness as anything that cools our affections for Christ. Do you love the Lord? Okay, that's called worldliness. God doesn't want us to just love him moderately. He wants us to love him with all of our hearts. To love him passionately. And I suppose that somewhere you're on that scale. This is a Sunday night. You could be home, you know, eating pork fried rice. But you're here instead. So there must be something in you that says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe that. I, I believe that. I, I'm not going to be among the, the frozen chosen. I'm not going to fall by the wayside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the fire burning in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So really it's not a question of do you give more. It's not really a question of do you jump more, do you sing more, do you act more, do you serve more. No, really it's a question of will you love more. Will you love him more. So everything we do in this church, you that are serving in helps ministry, and we really appreciate you. Those who are serving full-time on staff, it must be a labor of love. Why? Why am I doing it? Well, there's a lot of downside. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of th bother. But the main thing is because I love you, Jesus. Because I love you. Let me help you. I don't have to be here. I have a home in another place. And I'm talking about heaven. Yeah, that too. But I have a home in another place. <laughs> Almost heaven. <laughs> I, I, I have, you know, I have things I could do. You know, in other places, I, I, I'm not here because I have no choice. I don't think you're here because you have no choice either. Love has brought us together. Let me tell you this. Let me just go a little further. I, please don't get me wrong on this. Don't misinterpret this. But I'm not here because I love you. Uh, yeah. Whatever friends I had, they're now gone. I mean, I didn't have many, but now they're totally gone. I'm not here because I love you. Because that's not a good enough reason for the sacrifices, the, 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 the stuff I have to go through. I'm here because I love him. And he called me to do this. And, and I think you should be here not because you love me. Let me just go ahead for you who are newer church members. Let me just go ahead and apologize right now. Don't wait for me to say something to offend you. Let me get that out of the way right now. It's going to happen, so I just want to apologize right now. And if it isn't me, it'll be, um, well, never mind. It'll be somebody. 
It'll be Brother Lloyd. That's why he's not here. We ejected him. He's, he's out. No, he preached in Imphal uh, this Sunday. <laughs> you should be here because you love the Lord. Hallelujah. If we love the Lord less, it's only because we love something else more. When people are not really into Jesus, it's because they're really into something else. Don't turn your hobby into a religion. And don't make your religion a hobby. What we have is a life. A life to be lived for the Lord. It's okay to have a hobby. But don't let that be an idol in your life. That you love that more. Some people love fishing more than Jesus. It's true. They're not here because they went fishing. So I can say that. You know, nobody will get offended. Huh? You know, people say, what's your passion? Motorbikes. Fashion is my passion. What's your passion? Jesus. Jesus. It's okay to have a motorbike. It's okay to go fishing. You know, th th that's okay in their proper place. Amen. Hallelujah. When the Bible speaks of the world, it's not referring to simply planet Earth, the birds and the animals and the mountains and the rivers and the clouds. It's talking about people. But specifically, it means a godless society, a Christless culture. It's talking about men and women who are spiritually dead, living under the sway and the influence of the enemy. We love people in the world, as God does. But we don't love what this world loves. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Do you understand that? We don't value what they value. We don't think like they think. We don't live as they live. You can be friendly to the lost in order to win them for the Lord. But you can't win the world by becoming exactly like the world. If you become exactly like them, why should they want to become exactly like you? There should be a distinction. There should be a difference between us and them. We cannot be segregated from this world. You know, we can't live in, in, in a monastery. We can't just, you know, live isolated on, on top of Mount Saramati, you know, and separate from, you know, no, no contact at all with, with any, any sinful people. You know, we don't just like, when we go to the market, we don't say, well, I only buy Christian oranges and I only wear Christian socks and I only drive a Christian car. We, we, we're in this world. We have to associate and, and, and do business with all kinds of people. You know, do you know the people who built this church were not sanctified? I mean the construction people, the laborers. You know, we don't, we don't you, know, you know, we try to be a good witness to them, but, but the, you know, they use sinful cement to build this church. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. <laughs> but we can be separate from sinners. We can be distinct. We can live differently. Hallelujah. To be in love with the world is to be an enemy of God. If you love the world, the world system, then James says you're a spiritual adulterer because you've already pledged your heart to God. Why are you fooling around with the world like that? And God's not sending his holy son to receive a church that's in bed with the world. Someone say, that's true. Hallelujah. Amen. Because God's a jealous God. How many of the women here are married? I did men this morning, but now I'm going to do women. How many of the women here are married? Can you raise your hand? You're not ashamed to admit you're married. How many of the married women here are okay with sharing their husband with another woman who lives down the street? Can I see your hand? Are you combing your hair? What are we doing? <laughs> None of the women I know are like that. They're jealous. And it's a good jealousy. Right? You know, it's amazing. We could teach on marriage. I don't have time. You know, a man can get in all kinds of trouble. You know, he, can, he can run afoul of the law. But his wife, many wives... They'll still support their husband. Okay, honey, it's okay, babe. You know, uh, we'll move to another village. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. You know, we'll contact the lawyer. You know, we'll do what we can do. But if there's another woman involved, <laughs> she's jealous. Amen. God says, that's exactly how I am. I don't just kind of love you mildly or theologically. I love you passionately. You are mine. You are the apple of my eye. I'm not okay with you living in sin in this world. You belong to me, holy to me. I'm fully committed to you, and I expect you to be fully committed to me. I'm not a Sunday morning only God, and I don't want you to be a Sunday morning only Christian. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Woo. Don't ghost God. What does that mean? Will you just stop texting? Stop liking his pictures? Stop sending him SMSs? Block him on Facebook? Just kind of just disappear. Don't ghost God. Now, there may be some scoundrel in your life you do need to ghost, but don't ghost God. Hallelujah. Don't disappear. It's so, it's so, ah, it's heartbreaking, isn't it, Pastor Jeppy? Some people, you know, they say, well, this summer we're going to take a vacation. We're going to go to this country. You know, we're going to take a break, you know, at Christmas time. And that's fine. And then some people say, I'm going to take a vacation from God. Just take a little break. Well, that would be like saying, he, he is our life. He's not a part of your life. He is your life. That would be like saying, I'm going to take a little break from breathing. Where'd you get that bright idea? <laughs> Who told you to do that? <laughs> Amen. No, 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 no. We don't, you don't need God less in your life at this point. You need him more. 
In fact, as you mature spiritually, and I hope some of you can, can, can agree with me on this, as you walk with the Lord more, you realize you don't need him less. You need him more. One day I'm going to sing that song, I can't even cross the street without him holding my hand. And in Demopore, that's certainly true. I mean, you, you don't even want to try it. <laughs> Amen. I, I need him every day. I, he's not an in-case-of-emergency-break-glass God. He's an everyday God. I need him in the morning. I need him every day. Maybe, maybe I don't need like some super-duper miracle every day, but I need help. My wife will tell you I need help. Look at the person next to you and say, you need help. Just look right back at him and say, you need professional help. <laughs> God's a professional. He'll help you. Amen. The closer you get to God, the more you want of him. You know, there's some people... Has this ever happened to you? you? You saw them from a distance or something. You didn't really know them very well. And then you maybe became friends or something. And as you knew them better, kind of like the magic spell wore off or something like that. Like oh, you found out that you know, he has bad breath just like normal people do. And he passes gas just like you do. And you know, he just, just like, ah, oh, you know. Or, 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 you, or you, you got a little closer to him and you saw the, 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 the defects, Right? That's why, there's, that's why you're sitting in the back and I'm up here. Okay, so. <laughs> but that not so with the Lord. Nobody in heaven is bored. Nobody up there saying, yeah, lights, glory, angel. Oh, but I wish they had PlayStation up here. Nobody is saying that. Wish they had Nintendo up here. Nobody is saying that. Because the more you see of the Lord, the closer you get the more wondrous he is. He's so wonderful, they keep singing the same song over and over again in heaven. They do not cease to say, worthy is the lamb. What verse are we on now? One trillion, five hundred billion. <laughs> Doesn't matter. They, can just, they just can't help but sing it over and over and over again. Why? Because he never grows old. If something is real to you, it's never old to you. I said, if something is real to you, it's never old to you. So when people go, oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord, God's presence. Yeah, why the Lord? See, that means it's just a concept in their mind. It's not a living reality in their life. That's what that means, right? I didn't know, well, I did know the song that the, Praise and Worship was going to sing the first song. I did know that, but I, I actually, uh, I, I don't think I knew the words, or at least I, I forgot some of the words, but it fits in so nicely with this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, and I think I'll close with this verse. Ephesians 5, 14. Uh, let me say this to you while you're looking for that verse. Again, you probably won't appreciate this. If we want God to do more, we're going to have to be more patient, more patient in our church services. God doesn't necessarily do all that he wants to do 
and just, you know, the limited little time that we give him. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're going to be here a long time tonight. I'm not suggesting that starting next Sunday, we're going to have five-hour services. I'm not saying that. But I will say this. We need to have some times when we come together and we're not concerned about the time. I'm just saying that. You know, like, you know, if you have to go or something, sure, fine. But, but we just need to make room for the Holy Ghost. I said, well, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, I get it and everything. But I'm just saying that we need to at least have that mindset. What if, what if you got up because you said, well, I've got to get up early to go to work tomorrow. And as you were getting in your car, the Spirit of God said, get back in there. Turn around and go back there. Because there's something I want to do in your life. And I don't work according to your schedule. You're going to have to change your schedule to work according to my timetable. I'm not saying that because I'm long-winded and I want to hear myself speak. I'm just saying, in general, we need to be a little more patient. Okay, let me read this verse because I can see that you're impatient. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. A sleeping man, at a glance, looks just like a dead man. You know, sometimes I'm sleeping sweetly and my wife wakes me up to see if I'm still alive. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Actually, the other night, I can't remember, was it Saturday night or whatever, she looked like she was dead, so I kind of moved, and she, and she, and I, okay, praise God, you know. <laughs> Years ago, when I was a student uh, in college, I went on a little trip, camping trip with some people, and I ended up sharing a room with this older gentleman. I don't know, you know, he's like 70 plus, I don't know. And, and he, when he breathed, he, uh, oh, actually, he snored. He snored terribly when he was sleeping, <laughs> like, like a grizzly bear growling, you know, just this loud, continue, all night long, sawing logs, <laughs> just like, oh, man. And so I asked some of my friends, you know, and they said, well, just, just gently kick his bed and, you know, kind of like knock him out of it. He'll be quiet. So he's snoring, and I just kicked his bed, <laughs> and he went silent. And I don't hear anything. I don't even hear him breathing at all. And I lay there in bed and I thought, what should I do? What happens if I wake up tomorrow morning and they say, he's dead. What happened? He died. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. So I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, help me. And then after a while, and I went, praise the Lord. Go ahead and snore. I'd rather, I'd rather you snore than die. <laughs> a sleeping man at first glance looks just like a dead man. And a sleeping Christian, that is to say one who is not really in fellowship with the Lord, looks real similar to a sinner, a spiritually dead man. You know, uh, the backslidden guy is the most miserable guy out there. Sinners are dead to God, separated from God. Their, their, their consciences are seared with a hot iron. So they can just really enjoy sin. 
they're out there, you know, smoking dope and, you know, lying, cheating, stealing and everything. And they're just having a good old time. And when you try that, no, your heart bothers you. The lights go off. You know it's not right. <laughs> you don't even entertain the thought of going back to Egypt. Don't even entertain that thought. You would not even enjoy it. You won't even, don't let the devil tell you, remember those good old days back there, you know, when you were having a good time and, you know, you just had fun every night. Don't you wish you could go back there? That's a lie. You can never go back there. And if you go back there, you'll be the most miserable person. There may be a little temporary, you know, pleasure, but there is no joy and there is no heart satisfaction. There's nothing for you there. Don't even think about it. The devil's really good at advertising, false advertising. Oh, I could preach three sermons. I don't know. You, you see, I don't know. I, I don't even watch uh, television here. I do have on the Internet some news programs I watch. But, you know, they advertise, I, I suppose, you know, like, like alcohol, Bacardi rum. You know, and it's always people like on the beach, you know, you know, having a good time, you know, they're all good looking. And you think, you sit there and you think, yeah, that's, that's what I need right there. I need, that's what I need. That's a lie. That's a lie. They don't show you having cirrhosis of the liver. Their marriage breaks up, you know, they got no money anymore. Fighting like cats and dogs. They don't show you that. It's all a lie. I said, it's all a lie. Amen. So he says... Awake, O sleeper. If nothing else, tonight is me kicking your bed. The church world today really needs an awakening. They need to be aroused from their drowsiness and their slumber. I'm a sound sleeper. I'm, I'm telling you so many things about my life that you don't even want to know. I'm a sound sleeper. Which means that I have peace, I guess. I don't know. But I, I, I wake up sometimes in the morning and my wife tells me about all kinds of things that happened that night that I didn't know about. Did you know there was an earthquake last night? Really? <laughs> Our neighbors were fighting, got into a big fight, you know, and all, you know, all kinds of things happened. I didn't even know about it. I'm a sound sleeper. Jeppy is a super light sleeper. She sleeps with one eye open. She knows everything that happens. She, she you know, whispers and cats walking on ten roofs. She, she hears it all. If we're spiritually asleep, we may miss some great things God's doing. Revival could be happening all around you, and you don't even know it. Come on, some people, some Christians who are always saying, we need revival, we need revival, don't realize it's happening, but they're asleep. Hallelujah. We need to be aroused from our slumber. Glory to God. Amen. And then he says, arise from the dead. What he means is you need to put some distance between you and some ungodly influences in your life. Listen, if we want to experience God on a deeper level, we'll have to be more selective about who we hang out with. And some people... You know, I love you, but I love you from a distance. Because you don't love God. You're pulling me in the wrong direction. 
Be selective. Be, be, be uh, intentional about who you choose as a friend. Sometimes when you're lonely, you tend to lower your standards. I'm really lonely, so I'll just be friends with anybody, even someone who will just pull me down to a place I don't want to go. Don't do that. Find, find faith friends. Find people who love God and, and inspire you to walk with the Lord. I like being with people who inspire me. How about you? I like people who, who some, sometimes challenge me. Not directly, I mean, like, you know, like confronting me. But as they're just, you know, sharing or talking, I, I feel a little... I, uh, I feel like, oh boy, I'm, I'm not where I should be. I should be like that person. Sometimes you think you're doing, you know, pretty good. I'm doing pretty good here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really rolling. And then you're with someone who's really walking with God and you feel a little bit ashamed. Amen. Those are the kind of, God will, I believe in divine connections. God will bring. But you're first going to have to say goodbye to some people before you can say hello to others. You're not going to find your husband in a bar. You're not going to find your wife in some modu joint. That's not, God's, that's not where you will find godly women. Well, it's not even Holy Ghost Church. What is this? Presbyterian? What? Come on. I said that, that's the truth. Be selective. Separate. Arise from the dead. And notice what he said. Christ will shine on you. He'll give you light. Light is the ability to see. Figuratively, to know and understand the truth. You don't know the Bible because you're smart. You know it because the Holy Spirit shines a light. You can read the same verse a hundred times. And like, I don't get it. And suddenly, I see something. That's revelation. That's light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So while I'm talking about this and you're thinking, this is not my problem, this is not my issue, yeah, it could be because you need light so that you can get the answers for your life's problems, but you won't get the light if you're living in the dark.